Please note, if you're listening to this, you must be 18 years of age or older. This podcast contains adult themes and may include descriptions that listeners could find offensive. Thank you. The body is both a pleasure palace and a torture chamber. Charles Levin. Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. This is Episode 2. Hello, this is G from the future, or from the past, depending on your perspective. I just want to let our listeners know that in this episode, M and myself will be spoiling several elements of the narrative of the Fifty Shades trilogy, primarily from Fifty Shades of Grey and Fifty Shades Freed. So, I am G. I'm M. Hi. And this is the K&P Podcast. And for this episode, we're going to be talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. It is an erotic novel by Erica Mitchell, who wrote it under the pseudonym E.L. James. The reason that we're talking about today is that it is probably the most prominent text in American culture that deals with kink. I think you would agree with me on that. Absolutely. The most mainstream, anyway. Yes. So, many of the people who are entering the kink scene for the first time, part of the reason why they became aware of kink is because of Fifty Shades of Grey. And so I think it's an important topic to talk about, and I think it's kind of the elephant in the room when it comes to, you know, talking to people about kink for the first time. Like, you got to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey and sort of what is going on in that novel, if that makes sense. So what do you actually know about Fifty Shades, besides the fact that it exists? I know that it's based off of Twilight, which you've highlighted here in your notes. Yes. I know that it's pretty popular with the kid. Well, I always want to say that. (laughs) Yeah, don't say that. Don't say that. That's bad. It's very popular with the newbies. Yes. In the kink community. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people, when I say that I'm kinky, they're like, oh, like Fifty Shades of Grey? I feel like we said that in in the first episode. Yes. I also saw a parody musical based off of Fifty Shades of Grey, and it was pretty good. Uh, yeah, you told me about that. I think, yeah. you, uh, I think you played a couple songs for me. Yeah. It's pretty funny. I know that the author is British. I also know that from the musical. Okay. So your most of your knowledge is coming from the musical? It sounds and like. And what, what other people have told me about it, because I have okay. not read it. As it says in the bullet points, I have not read it myself, but I did watch the first two movies. Yeah, that's impressive, actually, because I wouldn't want to watch them, I don't think, even though we ju- I just asked you if we would watch them. But maybe this, because, like, I think there's this culture of in the kink community like this kind of belief that if you're like in the know about kink like you really know kink yeah then like oh you shouldn't watch 50 shades of gray or like i'd rephrase that as you shouldn't like 50 shades of gray yeah it's a lot of you shouldn't like it but it's a lot of also like why bother uh yeah because i mean for the most part the kink is 
kink in the way a single as a as a married white woman in her 30s or 40s who's never actually been in the kink scene imagines kink so it doesn't it's not actually that reflective of it's not that reflective of actual of what actually happens and but does fiction have to be reflective this is something that i wanted to ask you because i really don't think that fiction has to be reflective of any specific community like it's fiction for a reason yes so <clears throat> and I am a little sick right now, so I'm getting, you know, some kind of congestion here, and I apologize for that, but I just feel like when people have these critiques of the of the series, when they're mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't like that, but they also say, like, oh, you shouldn't read that. I've heard that. Or you shouldn't read that, or you shouldn't watch that, or like, oh, that's a really bad representation of the kink community. But, like, is well, it trying not... to be a representation of the kink community? Because it's not. So there is no community represented in right. the movies. Or in the books, for that matter. Yeah. From what I know about the books. Yeah, it's just the, it's just the sole relationship between Christian and Anna. Right, so it's a fictitious story. It is someone's fantasy fiction mm -hmm. that they've written down that people enjoy, they consume. And I think just based off of that alone... I don't think that's enough to say, like, you know, we should dismiss it entirely. Okay. This is how a lot of people get into the scene. I will not argue with that. That's how a lot of people get into the scene. And I don't think this is where people should stop, right? Like, I'm not saying, no. like, this is, like, the educational background, but to take it as a fictitious, a fictional account. Okay. Uh, actually, one of the things I want to put because i i'm hoping to add show notes to all the episodes and one of the things i want to put is this youtube series which i think does a good job of sort of summing up the the issues with 50 shades as a both as a movie and as a cultural phenomenon maybe you should have given this to me as like homework before we recorded this episode because now i'm very curious curious not curious I mean, we could also just, like, stop the... I mean, they're, they're kind of long, but we can, like, watch a bit of the first one if you want to do that. I, I feel like it is very informative and does a good job of outlining... Okay, but before we do that, I really just want to say that my overall thinking is, you know, this is a book that was written by... This is a book that was written by someone who we assume is female-identified... Yes. Who is writing for a primarily female-identified audience, and, and generally female-identified people, women, are going to be consuming this. Yes. And I have been interviewed about my thoughts on Fifty Shades because of my activity in the kink community. You know, what do I think of it, and what do I want to say about it? And I, really, I just want to stick to my main thing. It's not an accurate representation of what a kink relationship is like. There are lots of consent issues. But in the end, it's still a story. And it's a story that's being, you know, written and consumed primarily by women. And because of that, you know, I don't have a right to say what women should consume. And specifically, I think women should have, you know, the power to produce and consume things that give them pleasure, including if this gives them kind of, 
you know, whether it's sexual gratification or whatever it is that they're getting from this romantic gratification, I don't care what they're getting from it. But like, women should be able to get that kind of gratification without being, you know, criticized for it. So makes me wonder what would happen if this had been written by a man and its audience was primarily men. I feel like there are certain cultural reasons why it became the phenomenon it did. Partially because men don't need erotic stories because essentially the whole entire pornographic industry is there to cater to uh, men's sexual fantasies. Sure, but then, so, like, my point is, though, because there is this for women, you know, should we be hyper-criticizing it if women are enjoying it and consuming it and getting some kind of pleasure from it? You know, why can't we just let them be? So, I think it's important to not criticize people for liking it. I I definitely remember when I was on the, the hate Stephanie Meyer bandwagon with Twilight and just dislike people who like Twilight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was a long time ago, and I've certainly come around to the view as like, you know what? There's some trashy stuff I like. People are allowed to like. I'm a big fan of the Mary Gentry series by Laurel K. Hamilton, and that's just nothing but like winter fay and summer fay smut. And it's every problem is solved by sex. Powering up some ritual. <laughs> And it's like, you know what? People are just allowed to like what they like. But I don't think... I think it's still fair to criticize the work itself. Yeah, of course it's okay to criticize the work itself. I think I just wanted to preface this. I think it was important for us to preface this episode with, if you are reading or watching Fifty Shades of Grey, or you have read or watched Fifty Shades of Grey and you have enjoyed it, that this is not a criticize of criticism of your enjoyment of it. Yeah. That's important. Yes. Because a lot of people will get those yes. mixed up. Yes. Is there erotic literature you have read that you would like to share with the audience? or? Well, I think, what was that? Gosh, now I'm going to forget the name, of course. Um, it was kind of based off of Sleeping Beauty. You wouldn't know this no. one. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I totally read something that was kind of like Sleeping Beauty-esque. Um, that's kind of kinky. And sort of well-known. Besides that, well, we did bring up Kushiel's dart. And that's not, you know, as erotic, not as explicitly erotic. But it is kinky. It is definitely kinky. Yeah. But I wouldn't classify it as in the same. Yeah, I don't think it goes to this, to the same sort of explicit description that Fifty Shades goes to. I think, from my perspective... Anything written by Laurel K. Hamilton is probably more in the genre of of Fifty Shades. Right, and this is the one that you were saying that you really enjoy. The Yeah, the Mary Gentry series. And it's like smut. Uh, yeah, it's it's complete and utter smut, and I love it. Uh, All right. It's, it's just Mary Gentry just trying to make it through the world, her fae world, and just having to sleep with everyone to make it through. <laughs> Is it kinky? Uh, there is a little bit of kink, it, but it does suffer from the problem that I think Fifty Shades suffers from, is that a lot of the kink is portrayed as people who have real 
mental illnesses or mental issues or emotional issues use kink to express their those issues, uh, which I think is a problem in media in general. That you know, nobody nobody in in media does kink because they enjoy it. They do it because like they had this trauma in their past. Not every character like uh, it's been a little while since I read those books. Not every character in that book series is like that, but there are a lot of characters where it's like they do BDSM related activities because they are damaged individuals. And that's not good. That's not a good stereotype. No, that's not a good stereotype. But to get back to Fifty Shades, again, like we said in our first episode, we do not want to act as gatekeepers. Uh, We are not going to tell you what is the one true way of anything. Uh, We're... Spoiler alert, there's no one true way of anything. Correct. So we're, we're just here sort of... We're just going to start talk about the book, and we're going to talk about story. What I myself have written some bullet points about why I didn't like, what I did like about the story, because there were a couple of things I did like about the story. Overall, just going to put this out there in front. I did not enjoy. Overall, I did not enjoy the experience of watching the first two movies, and we'll get into that later on. Uh, since M hasn't actually seen the movies or, or read the books, you know, you just sort of got your secondhand knowledge of it. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. But let's get back to Fifty Shades. So Erica Mitchell uh, pens the novels under the pseudonym E.L. James. So the plot, again, follows a lot of the same plot points or story beats that Twilight hits, which is there is a young woman who meets a a powerful older man, and they sort of fall into an unlikely romance, and the older man has a dark secret that he initially does not want to reveal to the young woman. And in Twilight, this is the fact that Edward is a vampire, and... Fifty Shades, it's the fact that Christian is into BDSM. And he, for the most part, classifies himself as a dominant, uh, which is somebody who wants to be in a power exchange relationship. Later on, he will admit to being a sadist, which is somebody who enjoys inflicting pain. This is viewed as a, as a bad thing. Because for the most part, sadists are viewed as bad guys in movies, in books. Like, if if somebody comes in as a, and the, their defining quality is a sadist, they're usually a bad guy because they're about to torture somebody. Especially, like, I feel like in Game of Thrones, uh, what's his name? Bolton. I don't uh, watch Fifty Shades. Or Fifty Shades. I don't watch Game of Thrones. No. Well, I feel like for the most part, when somebody in a movie or a book is introduced as a sadist... It's generally bad. It's generally bad. Yeah. You don't want to be friends with them. And this is probably something we should talk about later. Like my own sort of, I don't want to say journey, but my own sort of like trying to process the fact that I was a sadist, but I did not feel like I was a bad guy. Oh man, I have a, I have a related story too. Okay. Uh, But I feel like that is a, uh, that is a story for another, for another podcast episode. So in the second movie, I believe he sort of admits to being a sadist and he's not actually a dominant. 
a lot of the dynamics in the film and a lot of the relationships in the film are not good. There's been a lot of criticism within the BDSM kink scene about how about how the film portrays power exchange relationships and kink relationships. And it's also it's also kind of weird that essentially that this is a fan fiction that got published separately, so it's kind of like in a copyright legal area. I don't know if we're going to dive into that, but it's somewhat interesting that how that happened. So I guess I'll start talking about what I think about the movies, and if you have any questions, you can just pipe in whenever you want, M. Yeah, that sounds good. So, the movies... The movies have a lot of problems. But I think foremost among the problems, and I'm not sure if this is a problem that the actors themselves could overcome just because of the dialogue they're given, but I never got a, a good sense that the characters had chemistry on screen, if that makes sense. That's the number one thing you need to be sold on in any romance film, is that these characters have romantic chemistry with each other. And I never really got that sense in both the films that I watched. Uh, but besides that, there is there is how Christian controls the relationship. And my general understanding is in the movies is actually a lot better than in the books. In the books, he's a lot more he is a lot more manipulative and abusive. In the movies, they dial it back they a turn lot. It down, yeah. Uh, partially, I think because you know the the directors you know, change things up. Well, that might have also been because there was already some backlash from the books, well, some criticism. So well, maybe they realized, okay, maybe we want to make the movies a little bit more. Well, part of the issue with the movies is that Erica Mitchell, the author, had really an unprecedented amount of creative control in, that she got in her contract, more so than authors usually get in films. And she fought so she essentially fought the first directors uh, whenever they wanted to make a change, which is, from what I understand, is f fairly common for her. Like, once she has written something down, she wants it to stay that way. The first time that Fifty Shades got published, she fought against that. I think the first editor she worked with quit because she wouldn't. She wasn't willing to make any changes. So I, I do think they're able to make some changes, but again, I believe Erica Mitchell is sort of fighting every step of the way to try to keep it as close to the book as possible, which I think is to the movie's detriment. But the relationship between Christian and Anna is sort of the primary, primary thing I want to talk about. Now, the criticisms of Christian are fairly well known, I think, at this point, but I'm just going to go over them briefly so that if anybody is new to the kink scene, you know, they'll be you know, up to date on that christian is so there's inherent power difference between christian and anna. anna is a student who is is a recent college graduate christian is an owner of a tech company of some sort it never really made clear what his company actually does <laughs> but he is he is a wealthy powerful man so there is already this inherent power difference between the two of them and this is further compounded by some of the characteristics that Christian has, which is, you know, first off, he wants to 
he, first off, he very closely monitors what Anna is doing. He buys her place of work, which is really kind of not good. And, you know, there are several times where he's kind of able to track her down surprisingly quickly, which I, th- which they kind of gloss over in the movies, but my understanding in the books is that he uses, like, his company's technology to kind of track her down. Yeah, it's, like, kind of stocky. Yeah. So there's a lot of problems with how Christian treats Anna, but I am also, and I don't, I haven't really seen anybody else sort of say this online in criticisms of, of Fifty Shades. I also do not like how Anna treats Christian. Because from fairly early on in the relationship, Christian says, this is what, this is the kind of relationship I can do. He wants a power exchange relationship that does not have any romantic entanglements. So he wants a sexual and a power exchange relationship. He will not date. That's kind of, this is the the tension between the two of them is that she wants a more vanilla, normal relationship, and he does not want that. So I don't know how this plays out in the books, but in the movies, he's very clear. Like, this is the kind of relationship I can do. I want you to be in this kind of relationship. And it's fairly obvious to me that Anna gets into the relationship and wants to change Christian. Like, the movies the movies are essentially change him porn, if that makes sense. Anna enters the relationship even though she's uncomfortable with the power exchange and the kink aspects of the relationship for the express purpose of trying to push forward a romantic vanilla relationship, which is not a good basis to enter rela- any relationship. It's, it's, not, it's not good to enter any relationship for the express purpose of trying to change the other person. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I haven't seen the criticism as much, but I do think that I've I've also held that that criticism as well. I think it's really important in kink relationships, in any relationship really, but especially with kink, you know, to negotiate these boundaries up front. And, you know, I personally have been in a service-based relationship where the person has said up front, I don't want this to be romantic, and... You know, like, there were a lot of conditions around when our DS would be in play, so to speak, and when it wouldn't be. And I think that that actually worked out really well, that those boundaries were set up front uh, with that particular relationship. And I know that when the negotiations haven't been explicit and upfront, that that has led to less fulfilling relationships because we there's often this feeling of subverting, subverting boundaries. Yes. Uh, just because it's also, like unclear where the boundaries are but in this case christian sets the boundary and anna still tries to subvert the boundary and i don't think that that's okay at all yes mind you the way that christian tries to set boundaries is is not great either but again i feel like this is ground that's been fairly well tread in other criticisms right but i have not really seen any sort of criticism about how anna sort of essentially tries to change christian to be the man she wants him to be. All right. So the other thing, so as somebody who 
As somebody who was in the kink scene when these movies came out, I remember I remember the advertising was sort of like this is going to be like the most sexually this is the movie that's going to push all the sexual boundaries in cinema history. And I remember watching the movie and not being that impressed with with the sexual act. Have you seen The Secretary? I have. I mean, in terms of, it's not very sexual, but it is very kinky. I think the I think the kink in Secretary is is more realistic and more interesting than what goes on in Fifty Shades okay. of Grey. I will admit, it's been a very long time since I've seen The Secretary, but I remember being, and when I, th- I think when I saw The Secretary, I was not in the kink scene yet, but looking back, I I think the kink that happens. Like the power exchange, like what I'm remembering most clearly is the end of. So, spoiler warnings for the secretary. (laughs) If you don't want to be spoiled, you skip ahead a little bit right now. (laughs) The scene that I remember the most is the towards the end of the film where he tells her to stay at the desk. Exactly there, yes, and she does. Yes, despite like all her friends and family trying to cajole her away from the desk. Like, that is much more interesting than anything that goes on in Fifty Shades of Grey, in my opinion. Absolutely. And there are other interesting things that go on, sort of in the power exchange. The other thing that comes to mind is the the spanking for the mistakes in the Mm -hmm. editing. If I'm, like, he, either she or he uses, like, a red pen to, like, point out grammatical errors... And she gets spanked for each error, I believe. If I, I think it's that she's she's fixing his errors, and if she misses one, okay, she doesn't point out. But I, it's been a little bit since I've seen it, but I think it was when she was missing his errors. Okay, I could be wrong. Yeah, but again, I remember that being much more interesting than what goes on in Fifty Shades of Grey. Absolutely. What's well, way more about the power exchange? Yeah, it's way more about the power exchange. The The stuff that happens in Fifty Shades of Grey is much more activity-focused yes. than power exchange-focused, despite the fact that the whole movie is about a power exchange relationship or whether or not to have a power exchange relationship. Right. A lot of the actual kinky activities are very activity-focused. They're not discipline focused right they're not like relationshipy focused yeah let's see what what i put in my notes so many floggers so many floggers so when when christian first reveals his red room of pain uh, or whatever it's called i was like all i could think was like jesus christ this is too many floggers like floggers everywhere <laughs> And I think, if I remember correctly, like, in the film, there is really only some rope that happens, a little bit of flogging, and then the, at least in the end of the first film, the worst, when Anna tells, asks Christian to show him how bad it could get, he basically, like, uh, whips her with his belt six times. And she basically quits the relationship because of that. I'm like, that. I feel like you've been through worse stuff 
in this film, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I have never been, I've never been spanked by a belt because I have my own sort of issues around that. But he is like he is bare, like he is spanked her with like his bare hands. He's used, if I remember correctly, he used a flogger on her before. Admittedly, like there can be a difference in sensation between like a belt and a flogger. I mean, there can be different sensations between different kinds of floggers. But I was like, I don't, I don't feel like this is that bad. But also, one of the problems in their relationship as depicted in the film is that they never really negotiate a safe word. And I don't believe she ever uses a safe word, which I think is an important part of any sort of kink relationship is uh, negotiating safe words. And for our, for our listeners who don't know what a safe word is, a safe word is essentially a a, a verbal cue to let you know that the, that the scene is either about to go too far or has gone too far and we need to stop right now. Yeah, let's actually talk about that for a second. Yeah. Yeah, so like common... Common safe words within the kink community are yellow and red. Yes. Now, you can make up whatever safe word you want, and that's totally fine, totally valid. But within the kink community, it is pretty common for people to have yellow and red, and even green, like to say, like, oh, this is good, keep going, I like this, I enjoy it. So you can have, like, good safe words, so to speak. And, you know, then yellow tends to be, like, slow down, check in, maybe change it up what you're doing, and you can negotiate what exactly yellow means with your partner. And then red normally means, like, stop, the scene has to end right now, I need this activity to end. And again, you can negotiate what these specific things mean with your partner, or partners, and, you know... But I think that those generally, and so, like, even at in some spaces, red will be regarded as, like, kind of a universal safe word. If people hear red... And the scene doesn't stop. Other people, other people now... will check in. Yes. So, yeah, safe words are generally good to have if you're having some kind of non-consensual play or consensual non-consent play or any type of yeah. BDSM play. Really, it could be anything. Yeah, I mean, even even in a even in a scene where like consensual non-consent is not a factor. In a flogging scene, like, it could be, it's like, well, that spot is starting to get a bit sore, so I'm going to say yellow. It's like, you can keep on flogging me, but you need to avoid my shoulders now, because right. they're, it's just too much for my too shoulders. Much, right. And, and say, and, and safe words are very important because, you know, we want to, we want to keep on, you know, having consensual scenes where everybody is enjoying them, which the movie doesn't really, Fifty Shades doesn't do a good job of depicting safe words. And I think partly this is because, as far as I know, Erica Mitchell is not in the larger kink BDSM scene. As far as we know. As far as we know. Now, my last sort of criticism of Fifty Shades, uh, which I've already alluded to, is it depicts Christian as being a damaged individual and that his BDSM or his kink is a result of the fact of him suffering past trauma right and i believe essentially in the last book or the last movie which i have not watched the last movie anna essentially fixes christian cures him yes and he no longer needs to do the 
BDSM kink stuff. Though they, I think they still do it for fun. It's just no longer a a quote-unquote need of Christians. And this is problematic because, as we said before, like, people do BDSM or kink for a lot of reasons. You know, you do it because it's fun. You do it because it brings you pleasure. You do it because there's a very specific activity or fetish that you want to do. I, there, it is not, I, I do not think you should use BDSM as a way to try to reach emotional catharsis over a past trauma. I think that's something you need to go see a mental professional about rather than trying to exercise it through the, uh, the kink scene. That and- being said, I do think that there is some value in, well, I do agree 100%. I always say this in my classes. Kink is not a replacement for therapy, but kink can be an interesting place to explore some past trauma if all parties are consenting to that. Yes, but I think that's something that needs to be carefully negotiated. Very carefully negotiated, yes. And should be supplemental to anything else that you're doing. Absolutely. And this is a problem that occurs across many different books and movies. It's not it's not unique to Fifty Shades of Grey. It is I mean, I think for a while, if I remember correctly, like kink was actually like in the DSM as a mental illness. And specific parts of sadism and masochism. I think it was like sadomasochism. Yeah. Specifically. It wasn't kink, but but, I mean, still, like, the general thought among general mental thought, health yeah. professionals was that kinky activity was a sign of right. trauma. Well, it is devious behavior in our society, right? Like, it is, you know, taboo or whatever. Yeah. Which I think is steadily changing. Like, I don't think that's... I believe that that sadomasochism was removed from the DSM as a mental illness, so I think there's a recognition among mental health professionals that you can practice BDSM or kink and it's fine. Like you're not you're not a damaged person because you do that. Which is great. <laughs> but yeah, it is a it is a troubling stereotype that I think still exists within media. And that's probably going to take a really long time to actually overcome that stereotype. Oh, this is a good start. Having this conversation and talking about kink and kink stereotypes yes you know and being willing to say like hey not all of us have traumatic pasts or not all of us are mentally ill in certain ways yes now going on to things i liked about the movie first off i'm a big fan of the fact that the movie takes a lot when i say a lot like a lot relative to how other movies portray it like Every time they're about to have sex, there's always a shot of Christian, like, opening up a condom. And, I, and my understanding is this is actually kind of like a plot point in the book, like how much Christian wants to have safe sex because he doesn't want to have a baby right now. But it's it's really refreshing to see somebody actually practice safer sex practices in a movie, which is something you generally just don't see. Like, whenever you see two people who are 
about to have sex in a movie. It's usually just a straight cut to black, and then you see the after uh, the aftermath of the sex. You never see them, you know, breaking out the condom or talking about condoms. So it's really it's really nice to see like a movie spend so much time showing safer sex practices and also sort of enforcing that safer sex practices can be enjoyable. And safer sex practices can even be kinky. I know some people who actually fetishize safer sex practices. I know some people have described like the, the hearing a condom wrapper tear, for example, is like arousing to them. Interesting. That, I mean, yes, I realize everything's a fetish. I've never heard that one before. Yep. And while I don't think it is the best, well, I do not think it's the best depiction of kink, it is, it is a depiction of kink, and it is one that many people are now familiar with, and if you have interest in those areas, it can get you started on, it can get you started on, you know, maybe doing some more research, going out to a munch, maybe signing up to FetLife, you know, it's just sort of get you started on your on your kink journey. Maybe even like listening to a podcast, for example. Maybe even listening to a podcast (laughs) talking about these things. And I think, I think it's good in that sense because the way I started in kink, there's a very sort of specific set of circumstances that went into me starting into kink. It it was sort of happenstance uh, or random chance. And I think if I had been more aware that this was an actual culture or subculture, I probably would have gotten started earlier. Yeah. And I feel like I've been talking a lot. You have, yeah, basically the whole episode. That's why I was like, I said a lot before this episode started, so you might need to, like, piece some of my... All right, I'll, I'll try to edit Try to edit you back into the I podcast. I have a feeling that the editing's not been going that great, but <clears throat> that's fine. Yeah, no, thank you, G. Uh, that was a great analysis of Fifty Shades, and I think on a future podcast we'll have to talk about our respective journeys into sadism, dominance, and those other types of things. Yes. So yeah, what what I'm thinking about for sort of our release schedule is that we essentially follow sort of the we have like one kinky episode one nerdy episode and one poly episode I don't want to be I'm not going to like follow it religiously if there's like a topic that either one of us want to talk about like we can totally interrupt our 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 schedule but Mm -hmm. for the most part it's like so this was kinky yes so next week is nerdy next week is nerdy all right well I feel like you definitely kind of picked out this topic so maybe i can pick out our first nerdy topic all right i look forward to uh seeing what we're going to be talking about in the next podcast then all right all right well thank you all so much for listening to our podcast and uh, i hope you enjoyed it uh see you all next time we won't be seeing them oh yeah hope you catch her uh, damn it i don't know what to say now <laughs> vibrations will be carried through the air and then you will hear us speak to you next time that that's not catchy at all (laughs) that's not catchy
If you'd like to get in touch with either myself or M, you can tweet us at KNP Podcast or email us at kinky.nerdy.poly at gmail.com. It's hot in here and I'm a little tipsy and I don't even have a button-down shirt on. Do, do you need me to get you a button-down shirt? I feel like maybe. <laughs> I, I, can, I can accomplish this.